welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 2. We are here on a Sunday evening sermon series going through the life of Moses. Today, we have a powerful passage of how God is going to lead Moses out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Remember, what's, what, what is the Lord doing here? God is preparing Moses to be the deliverer of all the Israelites who are in slavery. And he's going to go into the wilderness for preparation. And he will be there in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, in many ways, Moses' life is set up in 40-year uh, uh, increments. The first 40 years, we see Moses, he's in the palace. He's there in Egypt. He's a very powerful man. He lives under Pharaoh. Remember, he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter. As a, uh, He was found, pulled out. He was drawn out of the Nile River. He was raised there out of the basket. The second part of his life is he has to flee into this wilderness area called Midian. And I'm, we're going to talk about that. So he's there from age 40 to 80. And then when he's 80 years old, God is going to call him to go back to Egypt to go speak to Pharaoh. And that's where we see the plagues and to let my people go. And then God does the miracle, bringing the Israelites through the Red Sea. And then for 40 years after that, they wander around in the desert preparing for the promised land. Moses passed away when he was 120 years old. And this is the part of Moses that we're going to see tonight that Moses struggled with anger. Moses killed a man. You know, when we think about murderers, do you think about Moses? You know, we, Jesus quoted Moses. We're going to read a passage later tonight in the book of Hebrews about Moses. And Moses is a great leader of faith. God called and raised up Moses, but Moses killed an Egyptian. Moses was not the most obedient person whatsoever to the Lord. And the principle we see here is God is able to use folks like Moses who bring baggage, who have sin problems, who have anger problems, who have speech problems, and he calls them and he equips them for service. So I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles here. We are going to be calling this the danger of being alone. Moses thought he was alone. He thought no one was looking. The Bible tells us the Lord's eyes are always watching us. Nothing goes unseen. Even though you might feel like you're alone, you might feel like no one's watching, the Lord is watching. And he certainly watches out after us. And when we sin or when we choose to obey the Lord, he's aware and he certainly sees that. So these are his years here in what we would call Midian. Now, first of all, before we talk about Midian, who is, where is Midian and who are the Midianites? Midian comes from this area here in southern what we would call southeastern or southwestern Saudi Arabia. So you would pass over the Sinai Peninsula, which was uh, where, but he had to keep going because Egyptian mining folks were still there mining. And then they continued to go on into what we would call current day Saudi Arabia. The Midianites were just, these were uh, desert dwellers. These were folks that just wandered around and um, just nomads, and they actually were descendants of one of Abraham's wives. 
So that's where we see the Midianites. But remember, the thing about the Midianites later on, they would go to war with Israel. So they were certainly a snare into, in, into the, with the Israelites. But it's just kind of the desert. It's just out there in nowhere. It's forgotten about. Nobody goes out here in Midian. So if you're going out to run away from folks, if you're trying to get away from Egypt, Midian out in the middle of nowhere that nobody goes to, that would be an ideal place to go. And that's where Moses is going to go. And he spends 40 years there. And God is going to develop him as a shepherd and develop him and call him out of Midian. And I think what probably happened with Moses is Moses was one of these guys that he started out there in at the palace there with Pharaoh, and then he ends up in the desert, and he probably thought, I'm just now, the years 40 to 80, I'm just forgotten about. I'm just going to raise my family, I'm just going to be a shepherd, just going to farm the land, and then I'll just go do, just go to be with my fathers. And it was just kind of, hey, I lost my temper, I lost my cool, I killed someone, I made a mistake, and this is my, uh, my punishment for it. And many times in our life, it just takes one, uh, one mistake. You, you lose your temper one time, it costs you your job, costs you possibly your marriage, your career. And one mistake that Moses made, he lost his temper, he struck someone, the, per- the Egyptian died, and he's guilty of murder, and next thing you know, he's living in Egypt. Can you think about a time where you, you, you lost your temper, you, your anger got the best of you, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. So God's telling us that if we do have an anger problem, if we do get angry, we should not let it take hold and take root into our life and cause us to sin. So open up your Bibles, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, so he's a grown man. I guess when you're 40, now you're a grown man. He went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. Remember, the Israelites... They are in slavery. Who, who, Moses, he is living in, um, he's living in the palace. Remember, per, the princes raised him. He's kind of like a attendant to Pharaoh. So he's going out, just kind of checking on the stuff. Forced labor means these folks were slaves. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his own people. So obviously, remember, Moses is a Hebrew. The Egyptian, was he's a slave driver, he's striking him, the man wasn't obeying, and he's witnessing this Egyptian beat this man. And he gets angry about it. Looking all around, so you know, it's one of those things you look around. I, I don't see anybody nowadays, you can't do that. Back in the good old days, you could look around, now there's 50 cameras looking at, at you in every single room and every single place. Even at the intersections here in Lexington, you can't run a red light because there's cameras there, which is a good thing, I guess, you can't run red lights, but... Back in those days, you just kind of looked around, make sure nobody was looking. I guess you could go and go attack. Now there's cameras all over the place. So he looked around. You know, when folks are looking around, they're up to no good. And he went and he didn't see anybody. And it says he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. So we know we're in the desert here in Egypt. After you kill the person, what do you do? I need a place to bury. Where do I put the body? We just dig a sandcastle, put them right there, and bury the man in the sand. Just like that. You say, well, wouldn't the Hebrew, um, wouldn't he have sought the man who got hit? Because remember, the Egyptian is attacking a Hebrew. 
Moses is a Hebrew, and he's come to defense, so he killed the Egyptian. So probably what happened was once the Egyptian walked away, once he kind of went on his business, and the, I guess the, the Hebrew went back to work, at that point, when he thought he was alone with the man, is when Moses killed him. That's when he struck him and he died. It says, the next day, he went out and saw T two Hebrews. So, that's, so we buried our body. He thinks it's forgotten about. Just one less Egyptian. I lost my temper. And, we, and here's the thing about Moses. He killed the guy. We don't know if he really intended on killing the man. He could have just been, I'm angry. I'm mad. You shouldn't be treating people this bad. And he hit him overhead and lo and he said, goodness, the guy died. So I got, well, what do I do now? I guess we bury him in the sand. And he just went about his next day. Go to bed, just killed a man, just keep going. That's kind of what happened here. So look what happens. Next day, verse 13, it says here, He went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you attacking your neighbor? So two Hebrews are going head to head. And these are this, and that question, Why are you attacking your neighbor? says, Guys, don't you realize we're both, we're all Hebrews. We're all together in this. Why are you beating up your own brother? Why are you attacking a fellow church member? Why are you attacking a fellow American? We have the same blood, the same heritage, and here we are just going about it. You know, the Hebrews were in slavery. They're in difficult times, obviously, forced labor. And there's an anger problem here. And then look at verse 14. The Hebrew people struck, uh, they, they spoke up to Moses and says, Who made you commander and judge over us? The man replies, says, Why are you? What, is, what business is this you? And now, now you have to remember, they probably had some jealousy of Moses because Moses, even though he was a Hebrew, he lived in the palace. He was under Pharaoh's reign. He had privileges. He didn't have to do the slave labor that they did. So they kind of looked at Moses as he doesn't understand what we're going through. And the man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh-oh. These two guys, one of them said, we know what you did, Moses. You thought nobody was looking. You thought you could get away with it. You thought in your anger that you, by striking that man, no one, no one saw you when you looked around. And Moses realized, I found out, I've been caught, I'm busted. And he knew if these fellow guys who are actually snapping back at me, if they are aware of what I've done, that means folks are talking about it. Because they probably had nothing to do with the people who were fighting. These are just some random guys, and if they're aware, the word's already gotten out in one day that Moses killed a man that means Moses is going to have to take action. You know, when, when you get caught with something, you know, there's several things you have to do if you want to get away. And one is you have to move quickly. You have to get out of town. And that's what Moses chose to do. You say, Dan, why didn't he just lie about it? Nowadays, what do people do? Everybody just denies everything. He says, show me the proof. Show me the video. Well, back in Bible times, especially in the land of Egypt, that's not how things worked. If you got caught, they killed you. <laughs> that was punishment. It wasn't due process. You didn't go to court. You didn't go to trial. You didn't go to the judge. 
There was just, you answered Pharaoh. And if Moses unlawfully just killed an Egyptian for beating a slave, which is perfectly lawful, what's wrong with beating a slave? The man wasn't obeying. He wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. So in their mind, nothing wrong happened. Pharaoh was now going to go after Moses. Moses has to get out. And he's made the comment. Then Moses, look at this, became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. I have to leave at this point. I'm now no longer welcome in this land. This place isn't for me. When Pharaoh heard about this, and of course it reached Pharaoh, he tried to kill Moses, and Moses was right in suspecting that. So Pharaoh realizes, okay, if Moses is going to kill one of my people unlawfully, Moses is going to die as well. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So he's fled, he's down in this other He's down in the wilderness. He's out in the country. He's gone to Saudi Arabia. He went a thousand miles to get out of there. He made a long journey. And he sat down by a well. Now look what's going to happen here. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flocks. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away. Now you say... Why don't they just go to another watering well? This is in the middle of the desert, so there's probably one community well. They're probably having to do the work, these young ladies are, and fill, fill, those, uh, uh, fill up the water basins for their father's flocks. And these shepherds, remember shepherds weren't really tough guys. These were just common men, just they, but they could easily scurry away. It's more of a nuisance, just run off the women. And we take over the well because we want to take care of our sheep. And it says, they drove them away. The shepherds drove these women away. But then Moses witnessed this. So he saw these women who were trying to water their father's flocks and they were getting dro drove away. Now you have to remember Moses. He just arrived from Egypt. He has Egyptian attire. Egypt is the powerhouse, the most a threatening country on earth at this point. And an Egyptian man, especially someone like Moses, who probably had a tire that uh, spoke that he was in Pharaoh's household, obviously he could easily uh, run off some uh, shepherds. And that's what he did. He says he came to their rescue and watered their flock. So meant, meant Moses drove away the shepherds, got rid of these shepherds and says, no, shepherds, y'all don't need to be doing this. Y'all need to let these women here that were here before you, they need to water their father's flock, then you can go next. And they're not going to stand up and fight against Moses because Moses was, Moses was just trained in Egyptian. Um, you have to remember too, Moses was a leader, so he, at this point, he spoke up boldly on behalf of these women. And then it says in verse 18, when they returned to their father, these women, these seven daughters, and their father, Ruel, we also know his name was Jethro. He had two names. He asked, Jethro asked, why have you come back so quickly today? So that was a quick, a quick, uh, 
uh, you must have had help to be able to feed the water of the flocks that fast. They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flocks. So Moses took the initiative and he watered their flock. Moses drew the water. Moses was the one helping these seven daughters. He ran off the uh, shepherds. Verse 20, so where is he? Jethro asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. I mean, go back, go back to the well. Find out who this guy is and come invite him here. He's obviously a good man. He's helping you out. Girls, at some point, y'all are going to have to get married. You know, these were probably shy little girls. And here is Moses lending a helping hand, offering to do this. And I think the principle here is Moses... We don't know if he was uh, hoping to meet some of these women or if he was just, he just felt sorry for them because the shepherds were uh, trying to uh, just scurry them away and he came to their defense. Or he's just in this new land and he knows no one. There's probably all of the above. Moses, 40 years old, he's single, he's not married, and he's in this foreign land and he's realizing, I just can't continue um, can't continue, I guess, as a single guy. It's time for me to settle down. So it says, Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son, whom he named Gershom. For he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. And that's true. He is not an Egyptian. He's a Hebrew. He's a man of the promise the promise of Abraham, and he's been raised in this resident alien in Egypt. And all of a sudden now he's still in a, a foreign land in Midian. He's in a desert community with that. At verse 23, after a long time, so now we're talking 40 years, a generation has gone by. Much time has passed. And I think Moses here, here he's just a shepherd. He's raising his flock. He's married to Zipporah. They have a son named Gershom. He's just settled down, working for Jethro, working with his new family, just doing what he does in the desert. Moses is living a nomadic life. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. Who is the king of Egypt? The king of Egypt is Pharaoh. So the Pharaoh that was trying to kill Moses is now deceased. Moses is probably forgotten about. Moses is probably thought to be dead, out of sight, out of mind. That's, what, that's the picture we see here. The Israelites groan because of their difficult labor. And they cry out. And their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. So they, they are, continue to be slaves. And it gets harder and harder and harder. And they're crying out, calling out to God. And God is going to answer their prayer with a deliverer. Do you need deliverance? I believe God wants to deliver us from sin, from addiction. He wants to heal us of disease. Whatever your struggles are, God wants to set you free. And we as Christians, we trust the Lord. That's what he does. As the people are groaning and crying out to God... The Lord is preparing a man in Midian in this foreign land named Moses who's going to come and free the people. 
And I think for us, our spiritual freedom has come. It doesn't, I don't think, I know. It's come from Jesus Christ. He died on the cross this Easter season. Next, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Jesus came to set us free. He has delivered us from sin. He's delivered you from sin. And that's what we see here. The people are crying out to God for help because it's just getting worse. And it's ascended to God. God remembers his people. He has not forgot them. Even though they're in forced labor, there's a new Pharaoh. Remember, the Egyptians just view the Hebrews as their personal slaves. Look what it says here, last verse. Lord, verse 25. It says, And God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant, just like Noah. Just when Noah's on the ark, God remembered Noah. He didn't forget about him. God remembered his people. They're in slavery at this point. But he's preparing this man named Moses, and something's going to happen. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the Israelites. I mean, he saw their struggles. He saw what they were battling. And God knew. What a powerful Bible verse. And God knew. What does that mean? And God knew. That meant that God is about to take action. God knew the battle. God knew the struggle. And God knew what it's going to take. In God's foreknowledge, he was already prepping, prepping Moses to be a deliverer. But now we have reached the point where the Lord is about to step into this and begin the process of calling his people out of Egypt. He's about to perform the great miracle of passing through the Red Sea, Moses parting the Red Sea, and ending completely Egyptian bondage. You, some of you are in bondage. You're in Egyptian bondage. You have, uh, under the yoke of slavery, sin has paralyzed your prayer life. It has paralyzed your spiritual life. And the Lord wants to set you free. You need to deliver. That deliverer is Jesus. No matter what you're battling, he sets you free. We trust the Lord. We turn to the Lord. We call upon the Lord. That's what they were doing. They're crying out for help because of the difficult labor. Who were they crying out to? They were crying out to God. When you have no one else to turn to, you cry out to God. He should be our first and our last hope. It was a hopeless situation here. Only the Lord could deliver the Israelites. There's sometimes we get a point in our life where our only hope of what we're struggling with is, is the Lord. That's it. No one else can deliver us. Keep your finger here in Exodus chapter 2. Flip over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Look here in God's Word what the Bible says about Moses being a faithful servant. Moses was a faithful servant. God is using Moses. Moses was not someone who uh, was disobedient. Now he did several, he made several mistakes, but he lived a life of obeying the Lord. He had some questions, and we're going to see those, but the Lord helped overcome those. 
questions, those concerns, what was on Moses' heart. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in a heavenly calling, that heavenly calling is Jesus. He's called you. He's, cra- he's called and cried out to you. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Just as Moses was in all of God's household, Moses was faithful, meaning Moses did what God asked him to do. Faithfulness is doing what the Lord wants you to do. Have you ever wondered, am I faithful? Faithful is weekly saying, I'm going to worship the Lord on the Sabbath, on the Lord's day. I'm going to daily pray to him. I'm going to daily set aside time of reading his word. I'm going to daily look for opportunities to show compassion and concern and evangelism and outreach of folks in need. An invitation to church where he's faithful. He has opportunities and he takes God up for those opportunities. The Lord is looking for us to be that same faithfulness just as Moses was, just as Jesus was. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all of God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. So you honor the builder. Jesus builds your house. Is your house built on Jesus? Is your foundation the word of God? Does, does, the word, does Christ flow out of your home and out of your life? When someone walks into your house, can they tell As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God is the one who builds our house. I tell you, we are surrounded by our house being built by other things. I think about last Sunday. Last Sunday was D-Now, and it was, the theme was rooted. Teenagers need to be rooted in the Lord. As they go through life and they have challenges, addictions, social media, video games, peer pressure, uh, massive societal pressure to conform and just go down this wide path that leads to destruction, God is telling us another way and pointing us another way, and that's to be rooted in Him. Our roots aren't into this worldly soil. Our roots are into the roots of the gospel. We are rooted in Christ. Are you rooted in the gospel? Meaning, when, when the storm comes, are you prepared? And the storm's coming. The storm that's going to hit many of us is one of religious pluralism, one of uh, of being a Bible-believing Christian for many will be considered to be a bigotry, to be a racist, to be filled with hatred, to be too exclusive, to not be welcoming, to not be affirming. If you hold to the, what God's Word says and you believe this book and you live it out and you're vocal about it, like you don't bash, you don't shy down when someone asks, you will be attacked. And that's the storm. It's coming for us. And that's why our roots have to be in the gospel and in Christ. Just as Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone. But the one who built everything is God. God builds everything. 
Nothing happens without God's consent. Nothing catches God by accident. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing surprises God. He has seen it all. So when Moses struck down and killed that Egyptian man, was, was, was the Lord surprised? No, no. He knew he was going to do this. He knew what Moses had a temper. He would lash out against the Egyptian. It says here in verse 5, Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are of that household and we hold to our confidence in the hope for which we boast. So, so he's making a, a comparison Moses is faithful to his household. We are faithful and we are being held by Christ's household. So what are these two households we're talking about? Moses, his household in here in the book of Exodus chapter 3 is the house of Israel. The Israelites were in slavery and bondage and Moses was sit there to set them free from their house so they could live for the Lord. Our house is is a house with Christ. Our house is one with the Son of God. Our household is the family of faith. Book of Romans tells us we've been grafted in through Jesus, meaning we are part of that same blessing that the Jews experienced because of what Jesus did for us. We've come in through Christ. If we are of that household, if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. We hold to the confidence. What is the confidence? The confidence is Jesus Christ. We hold to the truth that if Jesus Christ says he saves, I believe Yahshua, which means the Lord saves, Joshua, he's going to save. Jesus is here to save. Jesus is here to save you. Jesus is here to save our city. Jesus is here to save the lost. And if you are in need of a Savior, I'm inviting you to cry out, just like the Israelites here in, in, back in Exodus chapter 3. They cried out in their slavery to God, said, God, what is this? We have been in slavery for 400 years now. We want a deliverer. And the whole time, the Lord was preparing Moses for a miracle. And that miracle was to bring his people through the Red Sea into the promised land. God had a promise. None of those people had seen the promised land. But they were waiting and eager and looking forward to what God was going to do. And I invite you tonight, some of you here are in need of a Savior some of you maybe online watching our YouTube channel, you're watching this, you're in need of a deliverer. And God is saying, I deliver. God's hand is not too short. God offers hope. Many of you are just worried about some of your family. We are called to trust the Lord and ask the Lord to deliver our family of whatever sin, whatever struggles they're battling. He can do it. The Lord saves. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Moses. If there's anyone here 
as we read this story of his preparation that you led him from the palace all the way out to the desert in Midian, Saudi Arabia. He spent 40 years there as a shepherd, just probably forgotten about in his mind, he believed. But Lord, you were preparing him. You were preparing the people, getting them ready for a deliverer. And Lord, we thank you for you delivering us through your son. He saved us on the cross. God, if there's anybody here listening or broadcast or watching, we pray they respond to the good news. Lord, we hang to the hope of deliverance. Lord, deliver us from sin. Help us live each and every day for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to hear from you. If God's placed anything on your heart, a prayer request, maybe a contribution to our church, giving financially, maybe you want to come visit in person. I certainly, this is Easter season. I want to invite you to come. We have Sunday school at 9.15 and morning worship on Sundays at 10.30. We also meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30. So you are definitely, we're open for business here at Broadway. We love for you and your family to come visit us here in person one Sunday. God bless you. Stay with us on Sunday nights. We are going through, you can listen along. We're going through the life of Moses out of the book of Exodus. Next week, we will be with a burning bush experience. So when you come to church, you need to take your shoes off. Moses was on holy ground. He could not wear his sandals. Who knows? I might have to preach barefoot next week. Can't wear my shoes. Might do that. God bless you. I will see you next Sunday. I hope the Lord has a blessing upon your life as we study the Bible. See you next week.